the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Welcome back to the AV Profession, the show by and about AV professionals. I am your host, Taylor Ryan Moore. And with me today is a little special episode. Tom, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Good morning, Taylor. Uh, my name is Tom Koch. I am the Executive Vice President for the uh, Live Events Division of Conference Technologies, known as CTI. And why it's a very special episode is because Tom and I both work for the same company secretly, but shh, don't tell anyone. Um, so to kick things off of our my favorite part of the podcast, the icebreaker question, since we're both in the St. Louis area, I have to know what are your thoughts on the famous Emos Pizza here? Is it your go-to pizza or like, what's your vibe on it? So definitely love the thin crust pizza. Definitely love the St. Louis cheese. Uh, Emo's I think was the original, but there's so many out there now that, that are just as good or, or better, but uh, you can never go wrong with Emo's. You can never go wrong with a little St. Louis thin crust. Yeah. Oh no, you can't go wrong. I like go to the grocery store to try to find pizzas that sort of imitate it. So I don't have to break the bank trying to go to Emo's pizza. And it's just like, it never hits. Even the frozen Emo's at Schnooks. I'm like, this is, it's nowhere near as good as like getting it fresh from yeah. Emo's. There, that's uh, fresh is always better, but there are some good frozen pizzas coming from the hill uh, now that are that are tasty. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check that out at the grocery store. Yeah. All righty, well, today's episode is all about live events. But before we jump into all the funness, why don't you give us like a background of where you were before you started doing the the live events part of AV? Uh, so it's a lot uh, longer ago uh, than I want to imagine, but it was almost 30 <laughs> years ago. Uh, oh, so wow. really, before I was in live events, I was in college. Um, so, uh, so I went to college, uh, I was, uh, I studied, uh, mass communications with an emphasis in radio. Uh, I was hoping to, um, get out of college and, uh, join a radio station, uh, be a DJ, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, work in radio, like I'd grown up on in the seventies and eighties. Uh, unfortunately, um, as I graduated and got out, um, I realized that the, the market for becoming a DJ was a lot tighter than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Uh, so um, the job offers were in very small towns that you had to move to for very little pay uh, and very little exposure. Uh, so while I kind of played around with uh, doing that kind of stuff, I, uh, I went into uh, uh, retail work. So I was doing a lot of retail management, working with a lot of uh, different companies uh, here in St. Louis um, and, uh, you know, bounced around a little bit from retail job to retail job as retail people do. <laughs> um, and uh, did that for a few years after college, yeah. So what was like the first sort of entryway into, I guess, AV as a whole, but specifically live events? Was there like a like a breaking point? Was there like someone that came into your life at another job that was like, hey, man, have you heard of this path? Like what what, was, what did that look like? So I was still working the retail uh, uh, world, um, didn't much care for retail as a whole. It, it I, I did learn a lot from retail, especially the customer service angle of things and, and how to work with people and how to deal with difficult customers and and uh, right. And, people's needs. So learned a lot there, but was still looking for jobs. And so I came across uh, an open position uh, that was just posted uh, for a company back then called Swank Audiovisuals, which was based here in St. Louis. Um, it was a family owned company. Unfortunately, uh, they're they're now uh, gone. They were uh, bought out by another company. But, um, uh, you know, had it, it was an AV job. It was an entry job as a technician here in St. Louis. Um, and basically, it, it interested me because I kind of was in, you know, the, the radio background. I'd been working with uh, electronics, 
uh, been doing things. And that just seemed kind of like the description was kind of like, oh, I get to I get to play with equipment. I get to do different things. I, I maybe get to be a little more creative and things like that. So uh, so I did um, I did end up taking that job and, and uh, becoming a mm -hmm. entry level technician here in St. Louis for that company. Did anything that you learned from the radio station or your time in broadcasting help you out in this world in any way? And like, if so, how much did it help you out? Yeah, certainly, um, certainly the retail aspect of things and, and again, to the customer service. I mean, um, audio visuals and live events, uh, we're using equipment, we're using our, our, our team and things like that. But really, we're providing a service for a customer. Um, and, and having that customer service background, being able to talk to customers, being able to listen to customers and figure out exactly what they are looking to do, what their vision might be for a, for a show or for an event, uh, certainly helped out uh, quite a bit. And, and then again, the, just the background with some electronics, uh, I certainly did not know 90% uh, of what I, what I learned when I got into this job, but uh, just, mm. just kind of having that background of, of that kind of world. The retail world um, also is, you know, as you, everyone knows, is not a nine to five job. Uh, the hours are, mm -hmm. are crazy, they're nights, weekends. Um, live events is the same thing. So live events, the, the hours are whenever the customer needs to have their event and wherever they have to uh, have their event. So I think I was used to that kind of, you know, schedule and that kind of hours, which kind of lended to it as well. Um, were the, when your first job at the Swank Audiovisual, yeah. um, were you doing more so like permanent installations or were you doing more of like the temporary live events type of installations? Yeah, and if it was, so, like, uh, do you was... prefer one or the other? It was true live events. Uh, it was based out of a, a, a the Swank um, worked with hotels, and I was based in one of the larger hotels here in St. Louis at the time. So we were doing all the uh, live events and, and audiovisuals uh, for the um, the guests that were booking events in the hotel. So their their ballroom, their breakout rooms, and things like that. But yeah, all temporary, all all live events. Sort of besides the obvious, what is like the biggest difference between doing a permanent installation versus doing like a live events installation project? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is uh, uh, live events. You you set it up maybe on a Monday. The event happens on Tuesday and you tear it out on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Um, so it is very temporary. It's very uh, one off. Whereas the, uh, you know, the integration, the install side is you're putting something in there for long term use uh, and, uh, and, and long term installation. So uh, live events is very much um, uh, more larger events, too. So the integration, um, you know, maybe uh their, their meeting rooms and their corporate office and things like that. And these are live events may have, you know, uh, anywhere from, you know, 20 people to thousands of people um, showing up for one of these events. For when you're putting together, I guess, like an event for a client, what does that sort of timeline and workflow look like? Because obviously it's not like I call you the week before I need all this equipment by next week, put it up and then tear down in 24 hours. Like what does that timeline and process kind of look like? People do that. People call us last minute and <laughs> say that. So I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> ideally, um, it, ideally, you you want several weeks to several months to put something together. The bigger the event, the more time you you need. So uh, again, a, an event that may have fifty people at it, uh, you you could get a call the week before and and be able to put together an event for fifty people the next week. Events that are you know have going to have a thousand people at it are going to be you know two or three thousand people at it. Those you kind of plan on um, for, for several weeks or several months. So uh, ideally, you know, if you kind of average it all together, you, you definitely want, you know, three, four weeks uh, to plan on things. But it, it is uh, fortunately and unfortunately all over the map. We, we sometimes have a year's notice uh, on an event. And, and um, I took calls this morning for events that are five days from now. So um, it, 
It is literally all over. <laughs> What's the longest you've ever planned for an event? Uh, a year. So um, those are the events that, that um, you know, we have obviously have regular customers we work with. We know that they have annual events and things like that. So um, some of those larger events where it's, it's the company's big event of the year um, that we know, you know, after the event ends, we start planning almost immediately for the next event. So uh, definitely the regular uh, annual events for customers we have the most time with working on. Now, I know no two events are the same and not all live events are the same. So do you have a preference of types of events you like to work on or plan or are they all just sort of like, I don't know, you just have like fun with all of them? Yeah, I mean, part of the excitement of live events is everything is different. No, 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 no two events are the same. No two regular events are the same. So if we if we're working with a customer and we've done their annual event, let's say five times each year, we make it different. We want to keep it exciting for for the customer, for the the attendees, and things like that. So um, so they're all they're all very exciting. Uh, kind of the philosophy I look at to, uh, is is you know whether you have ten people in a room or five thousand people in a room. Those two meetings are exactly the same as far as importance goes. Those 10 people in a room, I may not know what they're talking about. They may be planning buying a new company. They may be talking about rolling out a new, uh, a new drug uh, in a week. Um, so the small events that, that are kind of basic and simple are, are just as important to us as the event that, that has thousands of people in it and we had a year to plan. So, But they're all, they're all exciting. So in your lengthy career of live events and live event productions, um, and now being um, over the live events team here at CTI, um, I guess I want to know what makes a good live events team. What what's like? What do you look for when you're like deploying people out in a project, and what helps that workflow sort of flow? So people that work in live events, whether it's technicians or salespeople or production managers, whatever they might be, they're they're kind of a, a special breed because again, they're they're people that. Um, uh, don't want to work a nine to five job. They enjoy the, the different schedules. They enjoy, you know, uh, uh, working outside that normal box and kind of people that don't want to be sitting in a cube and don't want to be sitting still too long. So, um, and so you take those people and you find those people that have a passion for the equipment, uh, a passion for um, uh, wanting to, um, you know, see a, see a live event come together, happen, and then have a customer say, man, that was, that was awesome afterwards. So, um, you really look for people that that are kind of a combination of that that want to that, that don't care about the, the the weirdness of the hours but almost embrace it and that um that they're they're really excited about every show and, and making it happen and and coming up with creative ideas on how to do things new and different we're almost coming up three years on the whole global shutdown pandemic that kind of happened and with that a lot of live events was on on pause so can you talk about what that period was like was it scary did you ever think we were going to get back to sort of normalcy what did that period look like at the start of the pandemic to now yeah so it's uh, uh obviously a very tough time for for this industry a tough time for for the the world and, and everyone was affected by it and, and, and differently so our industry it, it all happened so fast that you know mm -hmm. we kind of saw that that groups uh you know as the pandemic was coming up um that groups were starting to cancel they were calling to say hey uh, we're going to go ahead and postpone it let's let's not do it in uh, February, let's do it in July. And so, okay, we'll, you know, we'll just move some stuff around and push things off. And literally within a, you know, two or three week period at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we went from a few events canceling to literally everybody canceling. And then really the, that's when the shutdown, you know, in, in our country happened. Um, and it, it just, yeah, everything, it, it went from some, you know, we, we were 
some of the best revenue and some of the best uh, um, events we were doing to literally the next day just shut off. Um, so uh, that that's scary in itself because um, you don't know scary. what's what's going on. We didn't know what's going on with with uh, with the virus and all kinds of stuff. So um, you know, CTI like many companies made some adjustments with our staffing and things like that. Um, you know, CTI has a lot of different pillars in their business. So uh, we were able to continue, obviously, uh, as a company and, and continue mm-hmm. with live events during that. Uh, but certainly um, with, uh, you know, we had a pivot uh, to to the virtual world uh, very quickly. So um, CTI has, has always done web uh, webcasting. We've always done, um, you know, smaller virtual events and, and, uh, and back in the day, uh, video conferencing, things like that. So we had the knowledge, we had the equipment, but... Mm-hmm. You know, to take to take an event, all of a sudden customers are calling us and saying, hey, you know, that event that normally would have 5000 people at it. We want it to be virtual now and we want to have these uh, 20 guest speakers over the next five days and and try to figure out how to do that. Um, um, we, we started building studios uh, here in St. Louis and four other of our locations across the, the Midwest uh, to, to handle the virtual events. And mm-hmm. we quickly started hiring people back because we knew. Uh, you know, some of these studios are getting bigger and bigger and the needs were getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we learned a lot as a company on how to do these events uh, over time. Um, the customers really didn't know how to do these events yet, you know, because they mm-hmm. were they were trying to say, oh, well, here's our agenda for the, the live events. We just want to do the same thing well, virtually. As we all know now, sitting in front of a, a video screen for eight hours watching people speak is not the most exciting thing. So, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had to teach the customer to, to do things and stuff like that. But but the business still, even with all the virtual events we did and, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, the web designing and the registration and, and all that kind of stuff, it got us through that. But, yeah, the, the first 10 months were scary. They were different. Um, yeah. You never knew when it was going to end. Um, you didn't know when people wanted to have meetings again. And then and then even as things start, people started to kind of poke around about having meetings. We would schedule meetings and then. Wherever city it was in, the local health department would say, that's too many people you can't meet together. And so we'd have to cancel that meeting. So yeah. it, um, it it was a scary year and a, and a difficult year, um, uh, again, for everybody. But the industry was was just hit hard. So a lot of the events happen. Um, we, we do events anywhere. So we'll, we'll do events in a hangar at an airport. We'll do it out in a cornfield. We'll do it at your business, wherever it is. Um, exactly. But nobody was traveling. And one of the big spots that people have events at are hotels, convention centers, and other uh, meeting venues and those were just completely shut down as well. Um, even even well after um, people started having meetings again, you know the hoteliers didn't have enough people to have meetings, so they would cancel the meetings and things like that. So it was it was ten to twelve months of really strange and and uh, difficult times for sure. And now um, as we're easing our way back into sort of live events, are you finding yourself doing more hybrid events where it's like parts virtual, part in person? And if so, has that been like a a nice has that been like an easy adjustment to do in your regular workload of trying to create an event that's both live and virtual? Yeah. So the, the, the big question, especially when meetings started happening again, live, live and in person at the end of last year was, oh, hybrid's always going to be around. No one's going to want to get together uh, in big groups and things like that. And so at the end of 2021, when we saw the business start to pick back up again and, and have these events, there were certainly uh, many hybrid events. So, you know, instead of having a thousand people in a room, you're going to have 500 people and then we'll broadcast the other out for the 500 that couldn't make it or didn't want to come because they were afraid to come or whatever it might be. Um, and and certainly we did that, I would say, probably over a good six month period, a lot of hybrid stuff. Um, 
And, and to your point, you do have to keep it interesting because when it's hybrid, you're, you're back to basically having uh, a live event and then sending that video out for people to watch. Well, a live event could, could be three hours, could be six hours, could be eight hours. So um, it, it wasn't as exciting for the people that, that weren't there because they were more just watching a live event versus before we were tailoring speakers and times and breaks and all kinds of stuff for a true virtual event. So um, what we found now, though, over the last year or so, is it's not we're certainly doing hybrid i guess we call it but it's it's not as complicated as it was we're, we're now uh we're now basically um streaming out the video just so people can watch it or we'll record it for a customer and let them you know uh chop it up and put it on their website or their uh, internal learning and things like that so it's more of just sending the the, the broadcast out for for smaller groups of people that couldn't make it so what do you tell clients wanting to host a virtual or hybrid event to keep the virtual event interesting and engaging? Uh, it, keep, keep the segments short. So you again, you don't want to have a speaker for two hours. We've kind of found that um, that about a half hour to 45 minutes is kind of the, the top that you want to have somebody speaking or doing something. Mm -hmm. And then um, you want to give uh, breaks throughout the day. So again, uh, you don't want to sit in front of your laptop for eight hours. So you may have uh, a guest speaker in the morning at, at nine uh, to nine thirty, um, and then fifteen minute break uh, where nothing's going on, and then the next speaker starts at, at ten a.m. and that kind of stuff, and and have breaks for lunch for the people at home to have an hour or half hour, or whatever, to to have an actual lunch and get away from the screen and things like that. So really, kind of chopping it up and and doing some other stuff. Um, there was a lot of a uh, lot of different creative things that also uh, you know attention getters. There was. Um, people would hire uh, magicians that that would fill you know time. You know, we'd bring them in virtually, <laughs> and they would do magic tricks and and different things like that. There was um, comedians that would come in and do stuff. So uh, the the one thing you wanted to do is you wanted to give people a break, allow them to get away from the screen, but you had to pull them back in too. So you know some of the some of the creative things like a magician or other stuff would bring people back into the room for the second half of the day and get them back watching again. I don't think I've ever heard of a magician joining a a virtual meeting. Yep. I it works, especially with card tricks. How do you like? How do you pick the card over the camera? Do you have like? That's a lot of logistics there for me. There's a lot going on, but it, it and and again, they were all learning how to do stuff too. They they were pivoting to, you know, magicians were pivoting for the same way our industry was that they they couldn't do live events, so they went virtual and and they figured out to, how to do how to do magic. Yeah, we're all just trying to figure it out. Right. <laughs> do you think or do you feel that live events is finally back in full force? Or do you think we're not really going to be back to like normal? So, so I'll answer the first question. Yes, live events are absolutely back. Um, we are doing more events now than we, you know, per month than we were pre-pandemic. And there's a number of reasons behind that. But it, definitely meetings are happening, large and small. Um, uh, they, they are out there and they are happening. So um, uh, I, I, I think I think the trend is going to continue. I think, you know, people have learned to... Um, you know, manage the, the, with working with COVID and things like that. And these events that are happening now, whether it's in a hotel or wherever, the people go out of their way to make sure that there's safety protocols put in place and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we clean our equipment, uh, we clean our microphones off before and after, uh, we do all kinds of things to, to, to keep people safe as well. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the business is very strong right now and I, I anticipate, um, it'll continue that way. Uh, normal is, is, I don't know, I can call it normal anymore because you used to be able to kind of 
you know, pick the trends of a, of a year and say, oh, June and July is usually pretty slow because it's the hot months. People are, are on vacation, not a lot of corporate business happening. Um, November, December is usually slow. It's the holidays and things like that. Um, th there are no slow periods anymore, which is good for the industry. The, you know, um, yeah. But, um, you know, we're we're looking at, uh, you know, uh, July or I'm sorry, uh, November, December that that just booking business like crazy. Um, and I think I think there's a lot of pent up, um, you know, energy for people that didn't have meetings over the last couple of years. They're trying to get things in and and do stuff. It's obviously a little cheaper to do things during the holidays, depending on the venue and stuff like that. But uh, I, I think I think the normal the normal of what it used to be is gone. We're trying to figure out what the new normal is, but it does seem mm -hmm. very exciting, very bright. There's a lot of business out there. Uh, there's a lot of events happening. Nice. So we're coming to the end of the show. And I like to ask um, all of our guests on here the sort of same general question for um, if there's someone out there who is looking to get into AV, or has never heard of AV, or is looking to do something different and they want to try out this industry, what kind of advice would you tell them? I, it's it's a it's a tough industry to describe exactly you know what we do. Um, mm -hmm. It took me years for my family to figure out exactly what I what I do. But um, so so you know we do our best to describe what it is. Um, uh, we talk a lot about the the hours and all that kind of stuff that we talked about. But um, it you know we 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 try to get people in and, and and get to see what it's like, right? So we we hire a lot of part timers that end up becoming full timers because they want to kind of look th look at things and and while they finish school. Um, but really get people in and, and kind of let them get their hands on and, 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 uh, be creative. So, um, usually if people can get into it, spend a little time with it, they, they do find that creativity. They do find that they can make a difference. Um, and, uh, it's an industry where you can learn as much as you want. You can teach as much as you want. And there's a lot of places you can go. A lot of people, a lot of technicians end up uh, becoming salespeople, uh, salespeople end up, uh, uh, working uh, uh, technical stuff or going to a different department of our company. But uh, for new people coming in, I, I just, you know, we, I definitely try to talk to them about the excitement of what the job is, that it's different every day. Mm -hmm. And if they kind of fit that mold of, of hey, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to sit in a chair all day long. I want to go out and do stuff. I want to be moving all the time. Um, that's kind of what lures people in. Cool. Thank you so much for joining the podcast the, for our right. episode five. Um, if someone wants to reach out and contact you, where can they do that? Uh, best thing to do is just go to our website at uh, uh, conferencetech.com or cti.com, and um, they can look us up. We 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 uh, do live events throughout the entire country, although we do have uh, um, our our locations throughout the Midwest, but we do stuff everywhere. So yeah, they can get a hold of us that way. They can find out any specific phone number for a city through the website, or they can just fill out a form and get a call back, and and uh, we start talking live events with them. Thank you again for checking out another episode of The AV Profession. To find me, you can follow me on Twitter at double underscore Taylor Moore. That's two underscores Taylor Moore. Be sure to check out our YouTube for more content like this. And to find more AV news and podcasts, head over to our website at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv.